Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every Wednesday for open, honest, inspiring, and healing conversations with people who face their own health and life challenges, worked through them, and now are on a mission to help you live a healthier, more fulfilling life. My hope is that at each episode leaves you more empowered and inspired, no matter where you are on your life and healing journey. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find a holistic wellness professional and resources to help you on your healing journey. That's HealingWaze.com. Hey friends, today's a solo episode, so it's just me and you. I'm going to talk about mental health and I'm going to share some stuff about my journey, my struggles, and more specifically, my healing journey, because some really cool things have happened lately that have come into my awareness that have become proof of all the work that I've put in to me and getting better for myself, for my family, for my friends, for you, for the world. I just want to give a little trigger warning because I do briefly mention abuse, rape, and I do talk about trauma, but nothing in detail. So I just wanted to give that little warning though, and you can take it as you like, and you think that this episode might trigger you, then just refrain and join me again next week on Wednesday. Also, I wanted to add that I am not a professional counselor, a doctor, or a mental health therapist. I'm just very passionate about this subject and passionate about helping other people through their challenges. So if you don't know this yet, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And what does that mean? Why do we need a month with a spotlight on mental health? Well, personally, I think we need a spotlight on mental health every day. Every, every day until everyone has access to all types of mental health support and services, regardless of their age, gender, insurance, financial status, education, etc. We're like one of the wealthiest countries, and this is no surprise to probably anyone listening. We've got like the worst healthcare system. Mental health support needs to be something that is easily accessible to the masses. Again, to everyone. And NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Health, shares this line of thinking with me. So that's why, in addition to talking about mental health, sharing my stories, offering resources and support, I'm also helping to raise funds for them. So after listening, please check out the link to my fundraising page, which I've set up in memory of my little brother, Kyle. That link will be in the show notes. If you've listened to past episodes, you know that I come from a long line of untreated mental illness trauma, abuse, and just general dysfunction. I pride myself on being the black sheep, setting boundaries and breaking cycles. But I haven't always been like this. I mean, I've probably always been the black sheep and just not even knowing it, setting boundaries, not necessarily in the best ways, and definitely wondering about breaking cycles. But now I'm actually doing it. That does not make it easy. It's been a lifelong journey of self-discovery and transformation. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, when we choose to confront our health challenges, mental health challenges, physical challenges even, head on, we lose things. Our identities, our beliefs, our social standing, sometimes our careers, and even relationships. And that last one's one of the hardest ones for me, but it is still worth it. The healing is still worth it. 
It's not all rainbows and roses. And just like with physical pain, you can't just positive mindset and think your way out of it. You just can't. You can cover it up that way. And trust me when I say that's a really bad idea. Now, before I talk more about that, I do want to be clear. I wholeheartedly believe in the power of positive thinking, faith, hope, mindset, affirmations, manifestation, and a whole bunch of other things that some might say are a little woo. They are very valuable tools that I use on a daily basis, very powerful tools. But that does not mean you can sweep your pain under the rug and just think positive. That, my friends, is toxic positivity, meaning it's really just a front And it's not helpful if you're looking for true healing. And in fact, it can even be detrimental. It is detrimental. Okay, so what do I mean by true healing? Well, this is where I'm going to use my experience as an example. And this is just my experience, okay? I, again, it doesn't make it true for everybody. And your way of of healing and coping could be totally different So I'm not knocking, I'm not judging, I'm just sharing. I'm not going to go into the details of my upbringing and series of traumatic events because I've already shared a lot about that in other episodes and I plan to write a book about it in the future. But to summarize, I grew up with an alcoholic, mentally ill, narcissistic father and a mother with borderline personality disorder and untreated PTSD. Because I believe that most, both of my parents were wounded empaths who didn't get the treatment they needed, it was very confusing to be loved and cared for by them. One minute I was told to talk about my feelings, and then the next I was told I was being too sensitive. My mom taught me to be proud of being unique and even encouraged it, and my dad taught me to be ashamed of my weirdness. It was a childhood filled with confusion, secrets, Sadness, fear, trauma, and rage. Lots of rage. And a childhood filled with lots of loving moments, too. Starting as a young teenager, I dabbled in all things self-destruction. Then, as an older teenager, living thousands of miles away from my family in Alaska without any support system, really, I found myself stuck in an abusive relationship where I was physically and mentally beat down violently on a daily basis, and several times almost killed. By the time I was 20 years old, I was a single mom hiding out from my abuser. And then, just to add insult to injury, not long after that, in my early 20s, with a toddler, a male neighbor of mine broke into my house and tried to rape me. And then, to make it even more traumatic, I had to sit in front of a grand jury and be subjected to questions like, were you drinking before you went to bed? Do you take any kind of medications to help you sleep? Do you give so-and-so the impression that you're interested in them? (sighs) The answers were no to all of those, but still to this day, I wonder what does any of that have to do with my neighbor taking it upon himself to break into my house in the middle of the night, unplug my phone, disable my lights, and crawl on top of a sleeping woman? Absolutely fucking nothing. And this is a soapbox topic for another episode. I've been homeless. I've slept in shelters. I've stood in food lines. In my mid-20s, though, I connected with someone who treated me like a queen. I was on top of the world. Well, actually, 
I met him in my early 20s, but we didn't like really connect till many years later when we lived. Well, we didn't live in the same stadium, <laughs> but that's a whole long story. I think I've mentioned it in past episodes, but we finally connected, moved in together. We got engaged even. Then I found out he was treating other women like princesses and eventually even had another queen. I watched my son's heart break when we found this out while trying to hold my gaping heart wound closed so I could keep forging ahead, being a mom, being a business owner, being the everything in my son's life. Then not only somewhere in that time I lost my brother, I eventually lost my mom and my stepmom at a young age as well, just weeks apart from each other. My best friend of over 25 years died suddenly a few years ago, and my uncle followed her the next year. I watched my son's mental health decline with each tragedy that happened to him and to me and to us together. He turned to drugs and alcohol, and still, 10 years later, he's far from recovered. And somewhere during all that time, I actually became a grandma, too. And I have a granddaughter. She doesn't know me. These are just the highlights of my tragic yet beautiful life. And so now I've horrified you thoroughly, I'm sure. Let's talk about my healing journey. Let's bring in the sunshine. Although the healing journey wasn't all sunshine. There's been a lot of dark and I'm sure some of you can relate. So my healing journey actually, I believe, started as a kid, probably even before I remember. But what I remember is my mom, although quite unwell herself, was curious about self-improvement. And at times... I saw her dive in with both feet. She would swim around in it a little and then a huge wave of something. And I'm a kid. I was a kid, so I'm not sure what it was, but it would come through and just knock her down. And like I said before, she was also the first person to teach me about meditation and essential oils and all that kind of good stuff. And she always had a self-help book on her nightstand and she actually read them too. The first time I went to therapy, I was in middle school and it was family therapy. And it was miserable. And then in high school, I went to some kind of alcohol counseling. It wasn't AA. It was one a one-on-one therapy therapy with a licensed counselor, I believe, I hope. (laughs) And all that really did for me, though, was make me feel embarrassed and ashamed. Because of my dad's history with addiction, I was made to believe that I would become an alcoholic if I drank. And although I didn't resonate at all with the counselor or the program I was forced to attend, I do believe... It, it did spark something in me. But as soon as my parents and the counselor decided I no longer needed the one-on-one visits, I was let go. And I remember vowing that counseling was just a stupid waste of time. <laughs> but after I had a baby with my abusive partner, I started going to counseling on my own. I can't remember who prompted me to go, but thank God I did. It was my counselor at the time that actually convinced me to leave him actually to escape. And that is when I believe I started down the second leg of my healing journey. I continued with therapy, started journaling, well, journaling again, and even took Prozac for a year. It really all helped quite a bit. I had moved back to my hometown at the same time that my parents had gotten a divorce, prompting my mom and siblings to move back too. So I had a great support system. I felt free. And I was thinking, I'm healed. I'm all healed. Let life begin. (laughs) Oh, naive Amber. I was making plans for the future, moving forward in my career, and actually enjoying being a mom. I had a huge support system, and life was really, really good. 
During that time is when I started exploring my spirituality deeper and even incorporating yoga into my daily life. And I just want to say, like, the people that come into our lives come into our lives for a reason. You know, that whole, like, reason, season, or lifetime thing. Like, pay attention to that. You just never know. Even just little comments sometimes can really make huge differences in our lives. Listening to a podcast sometimes. Maybe something I say, just one of my sentences here resonates with you and just clicks does something in in your being and that's what this this did to me these two women that I worked with around that time Cinda who taught me the importance of a morning alone time ritual and Heidi who inspired me to add yoga to that ritual I am forever grateful for those two women and they were in my life for a very short time I became a full-on yogi for many years like I did it all the time. I was doing Ashtanga yoga, which is very intense yoga, and it it helped in ways that back then I didn't even understand. And now after learning more about trauma and healing and reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score, I believe yoga is what kept me from completely losing it mentally. And although I only do yoga occasionally now, and honestly, I don't even love it anymore, I do still use it for when I'm feeling anxious. It is a great support and healing tool. And let's talk about anxious, anxiety. Anxious was what I was all the time. But I'm going to say I think because others might say differently, but I think I hit it well. I use things like control and overworking to keep my PTSD symptoms at bay, PTSD symptoms at bay. And rather than dive into my mental health, I focused on my physical health because I now know that that's just a lot easier for me. It's actually been a self-healing technique I've used since middle school. And and I didn't even know it was a self-healing technique. I just liked the way it made me feel. So during this time that I'm talking about now when I started doing yoga and everything and diving into my spirituality, I also started doing aerobics and Pilates I was getting into dietary detoxing and eating clean. And that's also around the time I found out I had celiac disease, so it was probably pretty helpful. But I definitely obsessed over eating clean and exercising and even just um, reading self-help books and meditating. And of course, people around me praised me for it. I mean, that's just people think that's all really good, and it is. But I really didn't know there was more to it. And of course, my ego was well-fed, so that made me feel good. But something that a lot of people didn't know at that time is I had a really hard time being alone. And in spite of my outer go-with-the-flow appearance and friendliness, rage and fear, I guess, became a prominent feeling inside. I became both of my parents in one. A manic, checked out, depressed workaholic, obsessed and worried over everything. And I actually had people in my life who not only gave me an excuse for this, but encouraged it. They'd say things like, oh, you're a young single mom. Don't be too hard on yourself. You're doing the best you can. And these are great sentiments, and I and I understand why. I mean, I've done it. I'm sure I still do it on occasion. 
but it's not helpful. And those were the people I felt most comfortable around. And I don't knock them. Again, like those people in my life at that point were doing what they knew to do to help support me. And they were doing their best. But in my mid-20s, a strange series of events took me away from those two people and took me across the United States and then back. I quit the last full-time job I will ever have. I almost lost my son to appendicitis and decided to become a massage therapist instead of a social worker. Lots of change. (laughs) This podcast is not long enough for that full story. You'll have to read it in my book. And that, my friends, is when I started the third leg of my healing journey. And whoa, what a ride it was. (laughs) Starting massage school connected me to my peeps. For the first time, I was in community with weirdos like me, a lot of spiritual seekers and deep thinkers passionate about helping others live better lives. Thinking back, I was drunk on positivity, spirituality, and also a major ego trip. I mean, who wouldn't be? I had some major superpowers, right? Not only could I help others feel better by doing the massage and energy work, but by doing this work, I also felt better. And in the years to follow, I learned about Chinese medicine, mind-body connection, energy healing, Reiki, nutrition, and a variety of mental health conditions that could be helped through body work. I for sure thought that was the end of my healing journey, right? Like it must be over now. I have made it to the top. Just get addicted to helping others and then all your pain goes away, right? Nope. It just covers it up with another layer. Through the years, my business and my love for helping others grew alongside with my depression, anxiety, self-doubt, and various other yet undiscovered PTSD symptoms. I was in true survival mode. Again, single mom, starting a new business, making life work in a new town even. I became a jealous, insecure partner, a short-tempered, self-righteous parent, and really like ashamed of the duality in me. I was a complete asshole to not only myself a lot of the times, but to other people, and then a complete angel on the other hand. It was really weird. (laughs) Now they look back on it. I didn't think it was then, but it was weird. And only the people closest to me saw this, and unfortunately, none of them knew how to help me. This was before shadow work was really, like, a thing. I mean, it was a thing. It was just before social media, really, and people didn't talk about it as much. But of course, do you think that I had any shadows? Hell no. And I had no idea I had PTSD. I mean, that was a thing reserved for children of sexual abuse and veterans, right? So during this time... Because of all this chaos within myself, and truly because I had put my trust in someone that didn't deserve it, because I didn't feel good about myself, that person left me. And I went back into full-on single-parent life after almost two years of having a semi-decent partner. (laughs) And I also went back into therapy. I got my son into therapy, too, and it definitely helped both of us. Along with the huge amount of weight I lost through a diet of vodka, potato chips, and sweating it out the dance floor every weekend. Because again, diet and exercise are easy for me to dive into. Of course, I'm not knocking diet and exercise, okay? But like, I am knocking living on vodka and potato chips and exercise. 
and thinking that you have a happy, fulfilling life because you're really just taxing your adrenals and living on shock and some weird, I don't even know. Again, I'm not a professional counselor. I'm not a doctor. It was a weird time. But diet and exercise are important pieces to healing journey, but that's just it. They are pieces. They aren't the whole package. And I I believe, I mean, personally, they're very important for me too. So I continued to explore my spirituality, even during all that craziness, exploring energy healing. And I did feel very healed when hanging out with my healer friends. We'd have extensive conversations about mental health and physical health while reading the latest self-help books. And since I was single and wanted to do it better the next time, I dove into dating and relationship books because that must be the ticket. I just needed a healthy relationship. Then all my problems would be solved because again, I didn't like being alone. But again, I've said it before and I'll probably say it again in this podcast. You know, we, we don't know until we know. Sometimes this is embarrassing to talk about, but not really because these experiences have put me to where I am right now here talking to you on a podcast and living my life to help inspire and encourage others to be healthier and happier. No regrets. So after a couple years of therapy focused on learning to trust and communicate better, which is super helpful in all types of relationships, even relationships with yourself, uh, read countless amounts of self-improvement books, nutrition books, dating books. I even took a long break from dating. I did actually find at that point the deepest level of healing I'd ever experienced. And of course, I thought, I'm healed, made it to the top of the mountain, give me a gold star and send me on my way to just heal the world because it's all good with me. (laughs) Ah, And I had experienced a new level of healing. I was able to find true joy in my life again. And along with that, the love of my life, my beautiful husband, Logan. I was and still am a kick-ass partner because of it most of the time. I've learned how to take ownership, apologize, communicate lovingly and effectively, and I no longer suffer from jealousy. I'm secure in who I am, who he is, and in our relationship together. As someone who's been cheated on, I know how hard it is to trust, and I've had a ton of friends say they would never be able to do it again. And I'm sure at some point when I was living deep in my pain, I probably said the same thing. In fact, I know I did. But I'm here to tell you, it is possible to trust again. Whether it's a romantic relationship or a friend that betrayed your trust, it is possible. But the work has to start with us. We must heal and trust ourselves first and above all. So back to my husband. (laughs) He's pretty great, but he's not a saint. And yet, I have zero worries about infidelity, not only because I trust him with all of my being, but because we strive to keep lines of communication open no matter what. We acknowledge when we've hurt each other. We acknowledge when we have been the one to make the mistake. Learning to apologize has been a big one for me. We love and respect ourselves individually. We openly talk about our feelings, even if we can't fully find the words. We work through our own shit and we work through the shit that develops between us. And I believe what's really, really important as well is that we are committed to growth within ourselves and our relationship. 
And speaking of growth, during the first half of our marriage, the number of traumatic events in my life grew exponentially in just a few years. I was in a constant state of panic, anxiety, depression. It was a constant roller coaster of fight and flight. I was seeing a therapist consistently, so gay me, doing yoga and getting energy work consistently throughout that period. And I thought I was taking really good care of myself. And I probably was to the extent that I could at the time. But at the end of it, my health totally tanked. I I imagine my adrenal glands and my thyroid just holding up a little white surrender flag. I sort of remember the moment where I realized that, like, my body broke. And it really did. It took me down with it. It It was just horrible. And I'm still recovering. That was that was many many years ago. So this, I had a business to run. Um, through part of that time, I had a baby to raise. I mean, that baby became a toddler. Now she's my ten year old. And somewhere in there, I even birthed Healing Ways, HealingWays.com. My goal was and is to help others on their own healing journey. And back then, now I realize, when I focus on helping others. I think I believed that I didn't have to take care, like fully take care of my own shit. And I hope that you know that that is not true at all. Especially for those of us that take on the role as helpers and healers, we must fully take care of our own shit. Not only could it be detrimental to them, but you yourself won't ever fully reach your potential to help other people. And I do believe that what I said, like, I thought back then that I didn't fully have to heal. I think there's a lot of people that feel like this sometimes. Even if you haven't taken on a role as a professional helper healer, many caregivers and just really giving people are living in their pain. And it's easy when you can just focus on other people all the time. Take the focus off you onto someone else. I get it. I was there once. Now, I wasn't out there. I don't think I was out there bleeding all over people. I did definitely bleed on some and it took me a while to realize how to be boundaried and loving rather than just cut people off, which I did because avoidance was a huge protection mechanism for me. Many of my inner circle actually praised me for my for my ability to remove toxicity out of my life, uh, diet-wise, friend-wise, family. And I have no regrets because those relationships and those things needed to go. But I do wish I could have done it differently. Had I known, I would have done it differently. But I can't. So it's just part of my story now. And now I know it was also a coping mechanism. Avoidance. You just, again, you don't know until you know. So yeah, I have been a lifelong self-improvement spiritual junkie. And yeah, I have been through a a ton of hell and because of some tools that I adopted early on, I was still able to love and care for others and even myself too, but it was always behind a screen of pain, pain that I didn't even know I had really. That's how good the subconscious is. And this is for all of us. Those parts of our brain that we've had since caveman times are still in full effect, working behind the scenes nonstop to protect us. And they are powerful. And a lot of times that protection backfires. So in early 2021, 
I dove deeper into the healing in the hopes of finding myself and my new identity after the pandemic kind of blew it up. And that's when I put on the Dragonfly Mama persona. As a lifelong observer and extra-curious person, I knew I wasn't alone in my mental health struggles. With the help of my therapist and some internet research, I was able to identify and talk about the fact that I actually have CPTSD or complex PTSD. Sharing my story publicly and helping others share theirs was a way I could still help people while I was working on myself. And wow, that went south really fast. I know that's not what you're expecting me to say, but it did. And why? Well, because I was still only scratching the surface of what I really needed. My body and brain were screaming at me. Even with all the tools I've been able to add to my self-help healing toolbox, I fought those screams like crazy. Now, at the time, I didn't know I was fighting it, but the almost daily panic attacks and constant anxiety told the truth. And now I know, fun fact, about panic or anxiety attacks. They're what happen when we're resisting truly feeling our feelings. And if you're listening and saying to yourself, wait a minute, I've done all kinds of healing work. I feel my feelings. That's not true because I still have anxiety or panic attacks. Nope. You're not feeling your feelings, friend. You're not. Not all the way. And this is not coming from judgment at all. This is coming from love and from what I've been taught from professionals, the research I've done, and through this experience of my own, my own experience. And I'll tell you, I would have said the same thing before this most recent part of my healing journey. It took a great therapist and lots of trauma work to help me truly feel them. More than I had ever felt before. I thought that I was feeling them. I was wrong. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But anyway, at the time, talk therapy, energy work, and self-help books just weren't cutting it. I had a nervous breakdown, like truly had a nervous breakdown. I was begging Logan to leave me or commit me. I didn't really want to commit suicide, but I was definitely having thoughts of how much easier that would make things because I just didn't understand what was going on, but I just knew I was in pain and I didn't know how to articulate it. And it was just fucking up my life. I didn't recognize what was going on. And I felt so ashamed because I'd put this, this outward label on myself as a helper and a healer. And, and that is part of who I am. But at the time I thought, how could I be if I'm going through this now? Well, it, you can still be a, a helper and a healer to others while healing. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But this nervous breakdown that I just described was less than a year ago, guys. And for me, being vulnerable with strangers and connecting with others was actually really healing for me and did help reduce that shame. But it also amplified the feelings that I still, the feelings that I still wasn't letting come to the surface. And so this, this all came to a head just about a year ago. The breakdown happened in June of last year. And I'm just going to say it, I deserve a sticker that says something along the lines of, you've come a long way, baby, because I have, I feel it. 
and I am proud of all the work that I've done. That doesn't mean anything to anybody else. It, it doesn't have to. But if you, if this is resonating with you and you're like, I have come a long way. You've come a long way, baby. You deserve a sticker and more and so much more. But you should be proud of yourself. So because of this, this last part of my healing journey, this is the one that I talk about the most because it has changed my life more than any others have. It's just, it's, it's awe-inspiring when I think about it. It's, it's just so cool. And that's why I want to share it because it is so cool <laughs> and, and available for everyone. So along with diet, movement, talk therapy, energy healing, meditation, I've done EMDR, neurofeedback, sand tray work. I even have a CPTSD workbook. I've joined some CPTSD groups, communities. I've given myself ample time to move through the healing process as I treated it as if I had just been in a huge accident and like I was bandaged from head to toe. You know, like I've never seen it in real life, but you know, in movies, when someone is bandaged, laying in a hospital bed, head to toe, I kept envisioning that every time I tried to like force myself to get back into whatever get back into focusing on my business, get back into an exercise program, get back into um, social circles or networking or, you know, the list goes on and on and on. I would just pull myself back and be like, girlfriend, you are in bandages, head to toe, heal, rest. So my hope is that anyone that that's finding themselves in just like that real breakdown time, the level, when you get to the level and the depths of pain that I was in, I pray that you're able to and the people around you are able to support that time for you to heal. And so during this time, I blew the lid completely off the shame by talking openly about my struggles and my journey. And if you don't know where to start, I suggest starting with talking about it. You don't have to talk about it on social media or publicly. Talk to those closest to you to start, but you need to talk to a professional. We all do. Therapist, coach, mentor, support group, it is very necessary. And if you don't like the person that you've connected with or chosen or just had no choice because your insurance um, or the group that you start with, stop. Try someone or something new. Now, I'm not saying this is easy to do given the state of our healthcare or mental health care system, but it is possible. And that's actually something I now do for people. I find them all the healthcare needs they need, including mental health. I'll include more info about that in the show notes. So recently, and you may have heard me talk about this on social media, someone really close to me broke up with me, broke my heart, actually. Not my husband, don't worry. <laughs> they, were tell- they told me that they don't like spending time with me because basically I trigger so much in them, so much negativity in them, feelings that they don't want to feel. <laughs> I make them feel like they're forced to confront their pain because that's what I like doing. (laughs) These are my words, not theirs. But they did say that they don't like talking about feelings, showing feelings, and dwelling on the past or even thinking about it. They told me that I make them feel judged and guilty. Now, first of all, I'm going to remind you or tell you for the first time, you, we, cannot make others feel a certain way. But that hearing that hurts. Being broken up from with, it, you know, having a relationship breakup that you really care about hurts. It hurts like hell. But I'm not taking ownership. 
of making someone feel a certain way. When my intentions were never, never to do that. And the person never told me anything about that until they decided to break up with me. But like I said, it still hurt. I've had to do a lot of work on myself. I've vented to my friends. I've talked through it with my therapist a few times. I've had to feel all my feelings, um, acknowledge what maybe I did wrong, which I will take some blame for sure, but also to not put it all on myself and not beat myself up about it. So let's go back to the part about me making others feel judged and guilty. I just want to mention this in in here in case, you know, because of course, when someone tells you that, you start to get pretty like uh, sensitive, (laughs) I guess, about that and wonder, not sensitive, but I'm not, I'm not the best wordsmith. But anyway, you know what I mean? Triggered, I guess. I don't know. But I want to say from the bottom of my heart, truly, by me sharing my struggles and talking about it openly and publicly and sharing my successes and what's worked for me and what I think is really, really cool does not in any way make me feel better than you or more evolved or any of these things that puts me above you somehow. No, no, no. I do it because it helps me on my healing journey and because I know it helps others. Now, does it make me feel sad when someone that I care about is hurting and not doing much about it? Well, of course. I care about people. I love people. I no longer try to fix other people or do the work for them, which is another topic for another episode. But I, it, I do hurt for them. But that's it. It doesn't change my opinion of that person. So I guess I'm telling you this to help you understand that most of us who found ways to live healthier, happier, more feeling authentic lives, just like sharing that knowledge and that experience in hopes that it might help others do the same. No judgment. And please, and I'm saying this for myself too, try not to feel guilty about the things you do on your own healing journey or the people you hurt. I mean, unfortunately that does happen and And you hope to not hurt people, but it will happen. But these are the things you did before you knew better. Don't hold on to them. Let them go. That's part of true deeper healing. Because I know I've made a ton of mistakes and I have hurt people while living in my pain. People that I really, really love even. Do I wish that I could take it back? Well, yeah. (laughs) But do I feel guilty? Nope. And because I've done so much work on myself, I don't even beat myself up about it anymore at all. Pretty amazing. That's a huge feat for me. So yeah, I'm bragging. (laughs) Uh, And along with not beating myself up anymore, I also know how to identify my feelings for the first time in my life. Seriously, did you know there's more than happy, sad, and angry I mean, maybe a few more, but did you know that? Well, since starting Brene Brown's newest book, Atlas of the Heart, I'm learning that being able to identify and articulate our feelings is common and actually holds us back in our lives, in our relationships, and in our healing. So please, if you take nothing else from my long rambling episode here, do yourself a favor, find a therapist or coach or a mentor who can help with this. It's super helpful. Trust me, you're going to dig it. So when you commit to working on yourself fully and deeply, you will start to see evidence of it in your life. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this, that's what prompted me to do this. 
I've seen lots of evidence, even stuff that you had no idea was related to your pain or your trauma. And if you watched my latest live on Instagram, you know what I'm about to share. But first, I want to mention something I know I've talked about before, but very briefly. One of the first things I noticed when diving into trauma work was I was able to ride with others in the car anxiety-free. I didn't even think that that anxiety I had when not being in control of the wheel was related to PTSD. It does still happen occasionally. It pops up when my nervous system is taxed for other reasons, like I'm just really tired or there's something stressful going on or I'm sick or sad. I mean, I still have stress in my life. We all, that just never goes away for anybody. So that anxiety, not anxiety, but just that, that's that, um, I guess it's a level of anxiety, you know, does show up occasionally, but very rarely. And I definitely don't have anxiety attacks anymore because of it, which I was having before. So yeah, I don't think I've had one in like over six months at least. And the star evidence of this podcast that I mentioned in the beginning and that I mentioned just a moment ago is something I've been sharing with whoever will listen. So you're here to listen. It has to do with my fear and anxiety around flying and riding roller coasters or uh, theme park rides. And it was not just anxiety. It was it was full-on fear sometimes. Both have been with me for as long as I can remember. And because my mom had the same reaction to both of these activities, I really just thought it was inherited. I dealt with it, but I didn't like it because I love to fly and I love to ride rides. So I accepted it, lived with it, sometimes was embarrassed by it. So I guess ashamed of it. Well, recently... I'm super excited to, like I said, tell the world I flew for the first time in three years, mostly because of COVID, and I rode on rides at Universal Studios, and I bet you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) I absolutely had no anxiety during takeoff or landing, and I even enjoyed both of those things and the whole flight. It was amazing, and although I started off feeling anxious on the Harry Potter ride at Universal Studios... I realized within seconds that anxiety wasn't actually even real. I was like creating it in that moment. I was telling myself that I was going to be anxious because that's just what I do. So of course, it started out with my eyes squeezed tight as soon as it started to move. And then just seconds later, as I opened my eyes, I realized that what I was experiencing was not fear or anxiety. It was pure joy and fun. And I kept my eyes open the whole time. And I rode that ride and other rides over and over again for two days. It was so much fun. And also a little sad because I've wasted so much time fully enjoying those things due to the stuff that I was holding on to. I didn't mean to hold on to it, but I was. And again, I didn't know how to let it go. And now I do. And that's why I'm sharing this with you. And I want to add to the crowds in LA, which there's a lot of people there and Hollywood, all the touristy things and the Universal Studios. Another amazing thing is those crowds didn't bother me like they used to. I mean, that that kind of thing would have sucked me dry energetically, would have caused me to be anxious and irritable. Nope, didn't happen. It's so amazing. And I know in my heart that it's the true healing work that has made these things possible for me. And I know it's possible for all of us. It is possible 
for you. It is possible for your loved ones. What are you afraid of? What makes you feel anxious or out of control or just some feeling that doesn't feel good? What what are you doing? What is happening in your life when you're feeling that? Whatever is causing that, whatever is making that a part of your life, I believe that there is a way to make those things go away. Unlike Harry Potter, I don't have a magic wand or a spell to get the job done quickly. But I do know a ton of tools and resources that when used over time with commitment and consistency and open-mindedness can and will make a difference in your health and wellness. You just got to reach the point. You want to just open that door and head down that journey. And it probably needs to be mentioned, and this is not to deter you in any way, but that healing work is never done. But that doesn't mean it always has to feel like work. It is a lifetime journey, though. And in fact, I'll let you in on this isn't a secret. I'm sure I'll be talking about it on social media and in my groups, but I'm actually getting ready to start doing EMDR again to address something new that's come up. So I'm always learning. I'm always growing. And you should be too. I know people don't like to use the word should, but it it would be very helpful if you if you would be open to learning and growing. The reason I'm doing EMDR right now, I'll just let you know, is because I still do struggle with insomnia. There's so much healed in my life right now. But, but a thing that really bothers me that makes an impact is that I do have to take a sleep aid. And I've talked about that on social media as well. Of what I do. It's a non-prescription sleep aid, but I do have to take something to make me sleep. I haven't slept on my own for years and there's really no reason for it, you know, on the surface, right? Um, But that's why we're doing EMDR because my therapist thinks it might help. So wish me luck and I'll keep everybody posted, of course. So let's recap the tools I've mentioned during this long spiel. Yoga. It's so good for the body and mind. And because the body truly does keep the score, meaning our mental pain and our trauma gets stored not only in the mind, but actually primarily in the body. We must work on the body to help the mind. And that brings me to number two, somatic therapy in the body. That's an umbrella term. Things like tapping, breath work, yoga, body work, I believe fall under that label. I would definitely encourage you to Google it or listen to some of my past podcast episodes that go more in depth about somatic therapy. But again, trauma, pain stored in the body, we must address that. Number three, and this is no, there's no order to these. Okay. So I said before, I think the first thing, one of the first things you do is talk it out. So yeah, talk it out. Find a friend to hold space and listen. Then go have a chat with a professional. I prefer licensed counselors over psychologists, but it's all about your own personal preference, what works for you. Remember, if you don't like your person, you can find someone else. They work for you, okay? And if you prefer a group setting, support groups, especially with a focus on your challenge, are super, super beneficial. Number four, trauma work. For example, like I mentioned before, EMDR sand tray therapy. There's a ton of it out there. If you have had some trauma that you feel has really stuck with you, again, you can't like consciously say that 
things are happening because of this trauma. But if you've experienced something that was traumatic and you haven't worked through that and you know if you have or not, seek out a professional that um, has labels like trauma-informed or trauma-focused in their work. It'll be super helpful, trust me. Uh, Number five, energy work like Reiki, which I personally practice, um, ancestry healing, which is like super profound and amazing. Um, even chatting with a medium or a channel could be helpful for people. Whatever resonates with you, try it. I did uh, create, I mentioned this before, and it was in the ad before, a great resource at healingways.com for finding all these types of healing methods. I definitely recommend checking it out. And then number six, journaling. I've talked a lot about this and I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast about this and they all have different ways of journaling, but it is something that most people who are actively working on their healing and and striving to be healthier and more fulfilled, journaling is across the board a tool for everybody. Um, but they all do it different. So I suggest mining past episodes for inspiration if you need it. Personally, journaling is, journaling is hard for me. I have an episode coming out soon uh, with Elizabeth Sloan where she gives an awesome suggestion. And I plan on trying that out this week to kind of re-spark my, my, I wouldn't say love, just enjoyment of journaling. Make it more helpful for me, definitely. So journaling, number six. Number seven, meditation. I didn't talk a lot about meditation in this episode, but if you've listened to me or any of my guests in the past, you know that it's super important. I prefer guided meditation. Some people like just sitting with in silence. If you can do that right from the get-go, right out of the gate as a inexperienced meditator, kudos to you. I am super impressed. <laughs> but I know it's possible. Like some people just really prefer that. If that's what you prefer, and that works best for you, do it. Personally, guided meditation is my go-to. There are tons of free ones on YouTube and most podcast platforms. I've even got a couple kind of peppered throughout my podcast. Um, And some of my podcast guests offer guided meditations on their websites and social media pages too. So definitely check those out. They're all in the show notes and see who you resonate with. And then number eight is exercise. Again, physical, right? Body. So not only is it somatic, it's essential to our overall, our overall, tongue tie, overall well-being. I'm not talking about pumping iron or HIIT training, unless you like that, unless you really do enjoy that. But just go for a walk, dance in your living room, start a stretching routine if you're just now starting. Get on a little, um, what's that called, a little rebounder trampoline thing bounce around. Uh, Right now, personally, and for the last few months at least, I've been loving getting back into belly dancing again. And I'm actually able to just do it in my living room by myself, wearing whatever I want and for free. So exercise. There truly is nothing that's stopping you. Even if you can't get up on your feet, you can exercise different parts of your body. Get your body moving. Get the fluids the blood, the energy flowing. So helpful. And then number nine, nutrition. Now I'm talking about the fuel we put into our bodies to fuel all of our parts, even our minds. Food plays a huge part in our mental health. 
So my recommendation and what I, the way that I live is stay away from processed foods as much as possible. Drink lots of water, eat organic, eat what feels good. Don't take in too much caffeine. Um, Take in none if you can, if you like living like that. (laughs) And supplements. I highly recommend supplements because the fact of the matter is, and this is the fact and you can't positive thinking about it, okay, or think it away, is our soil is super depleted everywhere, most everywhere. And so even organic food, it's more depleted than it used to be. But um, some of my favorites, vitamin D, B12, probiotics, omegas, magnesium, those are just a few that are important for not just our body health, but our mental health as well. Also, I highly recommend to get your hormones, adrenals, thyroid, and iron checked. They can be very amazing when they're working well. They are very amazing when they're working well, but when they're not, they can wreak havoc. And they're kind of silent sometimes. In fact, I just found out not like in September that I have anemia and I have been working on correcting that with my doctor for a long time now. And uh, crossing our fingers, this current method's working so I don't have to start getting iron IV. (laughs) Again, I'll keep you all posted on that one too, probably on social media. But number 10 is self-help books. So, you know, there's a ton out there. There's new ones that come out probably every 10 minutes. I don't know. I just made that number up, but you know, they're coming out all the time. Whole, like everything. Other than the, the couple that I mentioned today, I've got a great list going that I've curated from books that I like, and then books from other people that are on healing journeys. And there's also support offered along with that book list, like a kind of like moral support, I guess, in the Facebook group that I created called the Dragonfly Connection Community. The link to join it's in the show notes, or you can just search for the name next time you're on Facebook. And you may have noticed, I didn't mention like pharmaceutical medication. I just want to say, I am not totally against pharmaceuticals. There are times when they are needed. And I am not against medication for mental health. I just don't think it should ever be a standalone healing method. It should never be something that you go to your doctor, just your primary care medical doctor, and you tell them you're feeling depressed and they give you a little assessment and then they prescribe you some medication and you're on your way and you live your life like that. That's, for most people, not going to solve things completely. That is not part of true healing, true deep healing. Medication can help. And for some, it is a total life saver. It has saved people from suicide. I know this to be true. But to truly heal, you must, with a capital M, combine medication with other healing work. In in a way, medication is just another blanket, a thing to cover stuff up. It, and for some, for some, it can actually make more problems for them with their mental health. And then, of course, there's some physical problems that can happen, like side effects that aren't good, that can happen to some people. But you, you and a professional you're working with get to decide that. I just, I just want to put that out there. It's medication is not a magic bullet. All right. So this list that I talked about is not all inclusive, but it is a good start. If you have more suggestions, feel free to reach out however you want in any public setting and let me know if you want to add something to that list. I'd love to hear from you. And again, everything I've talked about is just my experience and my observations. I can't say what is right for you. There is never, ever going to be a one-size-fits-all method for anything, especially when it comes to our health. 
But I do know that no matter what you're going through right now or what you've been through or what someone you love is going through, there is always hope. There is always a way to get through it and not only get through it, but to get through it and be happier and healthier and more whole and complete on the other side. True healing is possible for every single one of us. Like I said before, I've said it again, I'll say it again, feel free to reach out to me on a public format. It can be on my website, through a contact form, uh, in the Facebook group that I mentioned, or on any of my social media. If you or someone you know really needs some deep support and you just don't know where to start, or you need some direction, I am happy to help. You can also check out the holistic wellness resources on healingways.com. And I will leave you with one final thought or a quote and a thought. And this quote is from Brene Brown. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. Healing takes vulnerability. This part's mine. (laughs) Take off that armor and get uncomfortable for a bit. Trust me when I say it. It is so worth it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following along. And again, if you like what you hear on this podcast or just in this episode, even please share it with someone you love. Thank you.